Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. We've got a massive weekend ahead of us because on Saturday, it all goes down at UFC 261. Three title fights, Usman versus Masvidal, Shevchenko versus Andraj, and Wei Li versus Namajunas. I can't wait, and I know you can't either. Coming up on today's show, I'll preview the big day, so let's first begin with this. I was talking with Errol earlier. We were on ESPN. We were doing Errol and the Bad Guy. And the question came up, and boy, this was pointed. I mean, this got right to it, which was simply, is this Masvidal's last chance to be a world champion? I don't know that you could ask a question any more direct or put any more pressure on a guy, but it is very real, and I do want people to see this. I am so glad for the way this story is being told, which is not that of a cash grab. We've done a cash grab. We don't lie about it. First time these two fought, it was a cash grab. It was short notice and nobody else could do it. And and here's your money and go out there and see what happens 25 minutes later. That is not what this is. I think this is Masvidal's last chance to fight for a championship. And don't forget, not for nothing, not just because that opportunity might not arise, not because if Usman beat him, Usman would be 2-0 and shut the book on him, and not because Usman appears to not be going anywhere anytime soon, right? I mean, in all fairness, Masvidal is going to be one of the bigger tests for Usman, and then Usman is going to have to pull a St. Pierre and start going through the deck a second time. Dana's already talked about Colby's going to be up next. We know that Leon's got this fight coming with Nate. Don't forget, Usman and, and Leon fight. I only bring to you because he's going to have to go through the deck a second time over, and that's fine. I don't know that Masvidal has what it takes to climb back up, and I don't mean skill-wise. I'm talking about the grit. Does he? Does Masvidal, if he falls in the rankings, if he falls to number five or six, does he want to come back through something that he's done time and time again? Because I will remind you, it's not how he got here. Masvidal didn't lose to Usman and then go start fighting top contenders. He sat out. He dug in. He was wildly popular, and he had the gift of Usman calling him out. Now, I'm not looking to slide Masvidal. I'm looking to answer the question using history as my trajectory to the future. There was nothing since Masvidal's last loss that said, I'm hungry and I want it and I'll take on anybody. There wasn't. So if he was to lose to Usman a second time, I do not believe that he goes and jumps in there with Shemaev. I do not believe he goes and jumps in there with Colby with the caveat of a deal with Dana that if I win this, I get part three. It's a tough sell. So now let's imagine that Usman loses to Colby just by example. Would Masvidal step back in? Would he go right? I don't, I don't think so. I think he would have to do something in between. He would be coming off of two losses after all. Right? It's one of those things. Don't forget, we're seeing this right now with Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor's won three world championships. He claims he's won two, but he's won three. That's how successful he's been. He's forgot a world damn championship he won. He doesn't get to fight Poirier for the belt because he, Conor, is coming off 
of a stoppage loss. So even though it's to the same guy, you see where this becomes a problematic. You see where it becomes very unlikely that Masvidal is to get this opportunity again. And make sure you don't forget, just because you all of a sudden care about Masvidal, he's not some new kid on the block. He is not Chemayev, who bust in here and, and shot up to the top. Masvidal has been doing this since he was a teenager. Ma Masvidal is like the hands of stone, Roberto Duran. I know Masvidal and, and Duran get along, and Duran even ring-walked him at MSG for the BMF title, but I will remind you, Roberto Duran used to lie to promoters about his age to get in fights to, to earn money to feed his family, and Masvidal largely did the same thing. Masvidal used to lie about how old he was so he could get into some of these backroom fights that were going on backyard fights. I don't like this kind of stuff, but it's out there, it's public, it's on YouTube, by example. He used, to, he used to lie to get into these fights so he can get some money for his pocket. I mean, he's a rough guy. I remind you of that because this is a lifelong dream, and it was a lifelong journey. And even if his star, if his rise was meteoric, man, he took the long road. He has earned, nobody did anything for Masvidal. Nobody gave Masvidal a damn thing. The only one that possibly extended some level of help to Masvidal was Nate Diaz. In all fairness, and neither of them is likely to tell the story that way. They're likely to give a big middle FU to each other, but that's true. Nate Diaz helped Masvidal a lot. And I also resent the question, and I seem to be the only one. Again, let me tell you what the question was. Will Masvidal ever have a chance at gold again? Oh, excuse me. He's got gold. It's called the BMF title. Why, why should Masvidal get to have a championship that has no lineage and he doesn't ever have to defend, right? I mean, there's two ways to look at this. Why should anybody be able to have a championship that they don't have to put on the line? That's not the way sports work. Not this sport. You put it all out there. Every time you walk out, it's all up for grabs. And he's got a BMF belt. By the way, he's got to defend it, in my opinion. Now, the lineage would say that Usman... Won it and is already the champion. I disagree. Belt's got to be on the line. Even Ric Flair will tell you that. If you lose, but it's a non-title match, you don't lose the title. I bring that to you because I love opportunity. I love the fact that there was an opportunity for somebody to grab it that night. I wish they would bring back the super fight. I thought the super fight was a great belt. I don't know that we've ever needed the interim belt. But now we do have the BMF. That thing needs to be defended, in my opinion. And Masvidal has it. And does it have to be title versus title? Why wouldn't it be? I mean, that's not what the contract says. So we can live to have this fight another day. But acting as though Masvidal is going to leave empty-handed, I just got to remind you, I was there. Sold out arena. The Mecca. Live on pay-per-view. World leaders were there. The Rock was in attendance. I mean, not for nothing. That was real. That was as real as it gets. It was a five-round contest. I feel like I have to remind people of this because people keep on acting like it doesn't happen. And even Dana has said, we're not going to resurrect it. It's a one-time only thing. I don't know about, man. I, th I think you got to rethink that. I really think you do because listen to what you're doing. How would you guys like to be in this spot? You're given a championship that you can never lose. Right? There's some records that can never be broken, but they're very rare records. For example, the first two and then fill in the blank. Well, whoever was the first two run a five-minute mile, run a four-minute mile, gets to have it forever. That's one record that can never be beaten, but most other records are only set to be broken. Imagine being in Masvidal's spot, or it could have been Nate Diaz's. It was fair game, but it was between those two boys. And the rest of the guys in the back that all would like a shot at that BMF title, 
they can't get it because we're not going to do it again. Why? What do you mean we're not going to do it again? We have to do it again. Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje went and fought for the title of the UFC's most violent man. I did not know until eight days before that fight that Eddie Alvarez had made that up and it just caught on. I thought the promo I thought that's what they were fighting for. I thought that it was actually said ahead of time. And by the way, that's the way sports work. Do you want to know do you want to know why how you can win the Super Bowl? Okay, somebody one day thought of a game and they called it the Super Bowl. Whoever wins that become wins the Super Bowl. We have state wrestling meets. I'm a, I'm a kid's wrestling coach. Do you want to know what makes the state tournament the state tournament? The person that made up the name of their event that they got to sign the date for called it the state tournament. There's nothing else. And everybody else looks around and goes, well, we should only have one of those a year, and they've already got it. Okay, let's move on. So now we have a state tournament once a year. But it was just a whole bunch of clubs that threw their name into a hat. Who came out? What are you going to call your event? There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just sharing for you guys. There's not some kind of a policy. You don't have to write your congressman. There's not laws that have to be passed to have these kind of belts and championship and monikers put up. I watched the palm nerd have some belt held over his head. I was live at Floyd versus Connor. They broke out some belt called the money belt. There's nothing wrong with that. It was a great way to cap off an evening. If I'm not going to get my way and the super fight's not going to come back, if I'm not going to get my way and we're going to keep the interim belt, we're, we're not going to respect it the same, come on. Chael's, Chael's owed one over here. The BMF is already here. I didn't create it, but I witnessed it. It's real. It needs a lineage. Masvidal, win or lose, in my opinion, already has gold and, in my opinion, needs to defend it. Let's continue talking about this 261 main event. At the end of the show, I'll give you my official prediction. But first, let's ask the question, what will 170-pound division look like beyond Saturday night? I don't think after Usman's last fight, we would have predicted that Masvidal was next immediately. Now, within five minutes, Usman, while still sweating, hasn't even had time to put on a t-shirt, grabs a microphone, goes on ESPN and calls... Uh, Masvidal out. Okay. Now we understand, but I, I'm offering for you is Colby next? Has Colby played this right? And Colby has something tremendous on his side, which is Dana White, who said Colby is likely next. In the haste, though, and in the absence of Usman and or Masvidal, and I think that Usman has to win. I think Usman has to win for Colby to be in play. And as much as you all would like to see Masvidal versus Colby, hold that thought. If Masvidal beats Usman, they got to do that one again, right? Can we agree to that? We go to the trilogy. So if Usman wins, right, a lot of ifs, a lot of moving parts, but you got to hedge your bet somewhere. Usman wins, Usman versus Colby. Okay, fine. But what about Leon? Leon's going to get some major shine when he takes on Nate. If Leon beats Nate, that will represent Leon's second performance in a small period of time, not to mention a number three ranking. Opportunity in a platform known as a microphone to tell his story to the world and try to get him raised. If Nate beats Leon, you're not thinking of that. Nate, Nate is a tremendous star, and Usman is going to act like he has no interest in Colby and no interest in rematches and only wants Nate. Now, Usman's going to be playing us. He's going to be wanting the money. He's going to want the payday. He's going to want the attention, but he's not wrong to do it, and we're still going to have to deal with that factor. So there's just a couple of things that have to happen before we can quite settle on Colby. And you also have Chimaev. 
Shemaev was in prime position to have one fight, get a victory that was going to be over Leon and go right into a title shot himself. So can Colby hold out and beat all of those? I submit for you, it would only be fair. It would only be fair, guys. And I know we don't use that word. I know that word doesn't exist in our sport, but you guys like to turn to it. And I will just remind you, Colby Covington versus Kamara Usman is the greatest welterweight fight I've ever seen. It is amongst the greatest fights I have ever seen. It is the dirtiest war. It was the closest battle, 2-2 two to two going into the fifth. And that fight would have been remade at the press conference that night. We would have already seen Usman Covington 2 in any other world. But there was a false rumor going around that Colby had a broken jaw. And the rumor allegedly had a source of Colby. Allegedly Colby in between rounds. And I got to say allegedly because it might have happened. I didn't get to watch it on a broadcast where I could hear this. I was there live. I was sitting with Helwani. Sitting with Helwani and the only person cheering for Colby in the whole building, my mom, watching this contest. So I didn't get to hear what was said, but what I was told after the fact is that the announcers heard Colby or thought they heard Colby in between rounds tell his cornerman, my jaw is broken. So they brought that to the world, rightfully so. That would be a major story within that fight. It just turned out that whether Colby said it or didn't say it or Colby thought it or didn't think it, it wasn't true. He was fine. I bring that to you because the only reason that fight was not guaranteed us the same as Figueredo Moreno, by example, where the fight happened, it was amazing. Dana walked to the press conference. Here's what happened at hard stop. Aljo versus Jan. Dana goes to the press conference. We're doing this one again. Hard stop. And Gano knocks out Rosenstrike. Dana goes to the press conference. And Gano's the number one contender. Hard stop. The only thing that held him up from remaking and promising us that match part two was the rumor going around about Colby's jaw, which turned out to not even be true, not to mention nobody's business. If Colby's in a fight right now with the broken jaw, it's none of your business to stop him from walking into a fight with a broken jaw. You're not getting him out of one. You're not stopping this fight because of the broken jaw, so what the hell business is of yours how he feels? I mean, I would add that to the story. It was nobody's business to repeat that to the audience and say that Colby has a broken jaw. You took a major opportunity from a guy, and I am retelling the story, but I'm retelling accurately. The only reason that fight hasn't already been signed and already promised to us and already done it in the books is because somebody shared what they believe to be Colby's medical uh, history with the world. That's what happened. So you want to talk about what's fair? You want to talk who belongs in there? Colby versus Kamara is the greatest and the closest and the dirtiest, in all fairness, fight I've ever seen. There was a tension and a buildup to that fight like I have never observed. That me. I was in the arena that night. My sweet mother, who's known Colby since he's a little boy, who was cheering for him, was getting looks and then threats of things thrown at her. She's 70 plus years old. That's the kind of tension there was in this room. To act as though we're not going to do that again. Oh, and by the way, when Colby gets another win over another former world champion along the way. Come on, man. I don't want to hear about all this stuff. I don't want to hear about who the bigger draws or where the I don't want to hear any of those things because they're not true. You want to talk about draw? You want to talk about stuff? It's all Colby. You can't tell me that deserve it's Colby. Ranking it's Colby. Colby gets Usman if, if, if Usman wins is the way that it should be.
And the only thing to get in the way of that is us, the audience, who pretends to be objective and fair thinkers coming out, lying, saying we think someone else should get the opportunity. We don't think that. We don't think anyone else should get the opportunity. We, we will all concede to the jury that everything Chael just said is spot on. But unless we come out with a, a, a different narrative just to be jerks, any way you want to look at this, who deserves, who should be, who's ranked highest, who sells the most, the answer's Colby. Coming up in a moment, I'm going to give you my official prediction for Wei Lee versus Thug Rose. But first, here's a word about one of our sponsors. Let me tell you guys about a fun and helpful meal service I recently tried, HelloFresh. It's a meal kit subscription service that offers fresh, pre-measured ingredients and really good seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. I was surprised to see all the different meal plan options they offer. There's something for everyone, including weekly low-calorie, vegetarian, and family-friendly recipes. HelloFresh offers over 25 recipes, featuring a ton of different flavors, cuisines, and ingredients, so you'll never get bored. And if you have picky eaters in the house like I do, HelloFresh offers options for them too. The reason my wife and I like it so much is we get a skip going to the grocery store, dealing with all the lines and sometimes empty shelves and have our custom meal ingredients delivered right to our door. That's such a huge relief and it's helpful as we juggle our busy schedules. Not only that, I like to eat good food and HelloFresh has not disappointed. I highly recommend you try HelloFresh for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12 and use the code CHAIL12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's right, 12 free meals. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash CHAIL12 and use the code CHAIL12 for 12 free meals and free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. My official prediction for Wei Lee versus Rose, I'm taking Thug Rose. Look, I'm well aware, guys. Don't think you got to tell me. I know the Chael curse is a real thing. I know 2021's been a little slow over here at Bad Guy Inc. I'm not positive that's the one that gets me out of it. I'm not. Matter of fact, Rose is an underdog here. Let me at least give you the breakdown that I've got. And I'll concede that it's limited. Rose has surprised us at times, and we've seen a lot of Rose. Seeing a lot of Rose also means that in Rose's bad moments, we saw that too. We've seen very little Wei Li. They have one common opponent. That is Joanna Champion. I realize the problems with MMA math, but I will share with you that Rose, in two different fights with Joanna, had a much easier time collectively than Wei Li did in one night with Joanna. Is that enough to deduce much? Well, I'm sharing with you before you go part with your money. Before you think old Chael's owed one, maybe I should listen to him this time, right? I'll share with you it's not a ton, but if you do look at power, I keep hearing that the power favors Wei Lee. I will just remind you guys in the championship rounds where Joanna was almost unrecognizable from all of the shots that she took, Joanna never went down. So how we're saying that Wei Li has the power over Rose who connected one time and took Joanna's belt, I'm just I'm not sure how we come to that conclusion. That one surprises me. Wei Li is definitely strong and her ground and pound is vicious. When she gets on top, she's able to generate a lot of power. 
But on the feet, where that fight was largely contested with Joanna, she had a lot of accumulation. Not a lot of power, at least in comparison to what Thug Rose was able to get done. Now look, this is a stretch by me, but it's all I got. I will share with you guys, I'm going to bury my lead. I'm going to start with my supporting evidence. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to save my point until second. I am an honorary Olympian for this year's U.S. Greco-Roman team. The reason I offer you that is I sit in on meetings with John Bardis and with Rich Bender, so I know the information I'm about to tell you to be true. China, the country of China, right? Because you've got to ask yourself, and you're very fair to ask yourself, what has Rose been doing in this time off? What has Wei Li been doing in this time off? Has it hurt or helped either of them? I can't speak for Rose. I've reached out to Pat Barry a couple of times. We're playing a little bit of phone tag here. Wei Li, China, Olympics. If you make an Olympic team in China, which means you have proven to the governing authority of your individual sport and you are recognized at the best in the nation, you are not guaranteed an Olympics. Whereas in the U.S. you are. You go through an Olympic trials for any sport, the governing body will put you on the list, you will fly to the games, and you will have a place within the village. You will have an Olympic experience. Guaranteed. In China, once you make the Olympic team, the government will then send in officials to assess you in training. If they do not come to a conclusion that you are likely to bring home a medal, they will not send you out of the country. China looks at it a lot stronger than we look at it. We look at it as competitive. We understand the sacrifice, but we also understand the sportsmanship. You win some and you lose some. We understand that. We will stand there proud, but we will also tip our hat and we walk away. In China, it's different. They believe it to come all the way down to the way their country is going to be viewed militarily. Russia's the same way. You wonder why China, you wonder why the Russians win so many medals in the Olympics? Their government believes that the medal count of the games held every four years is a direct representation on the strength and the view of the other world leaders to the strength of those countries. So China will not send you to the games unless they believe that you can win a medal. So the same thing is going to go for Wei Li is why I bring this up. We're talking about what has she been doing in the meanwhile? Is she ready to go? Is she ready to defend? She would not be allowed to board the airplane unless she was assessed and people believe she can bring honor. And I think that it's a tremendous story. I don't feel there's any landmines in speaking about that. I think that it's a tremendous story. And I think that it also helps to answer a lot of your questions. And don't forget the respect that we all had for Wei Li because of what she went through in the fight with Joanna. That was right on the verge. That might have been the last show I believe that it was. That was the last show that was publicly attended, I believe. It was right on the verge of that. But the pandemic had begun. Wei Li went to what I believe was Thailand, but she was held there and couldn't leave. She barely made it to the U.S. through the quarantine and to the cage. She was kept out of training. She has a hard time making 115 pounds. She was kept out of training. She didn't have a vehicle to get to food or dietary needs. She had to adapt to whatever was around her, and she had to train in a hotel room. 
which she spoke about largely consisted of, picture the bed, okay? She's on the floor and she's basically doing stair steppers. She's on the floor, stepping onto the bed, stepping down, stepping onto the bed, stepping down, stepping onto the bed, stepping down, and then shadow boxing for hours on end to get her heart rate up, to burn calories, to keep her weight down, to stay fresh, to go out there and put on a fight, which by the way, resulted in her leaving with a world championship. And by the way, went down, not just as fight of the night, but as fight of the year. And most people will concede there's just not an official award for it. the greatest female fight of all time. That is the level of discipline that you were discussing here, not only culturally, not only nationalistic, but within herself. That is a level of discipline to make weight, having foods outside of your custom, training in a hotel room with a mattress. It's amazing. It is an amazing story of feet, of mental. That was a mental exercise for her, and she passed. I only bring that to you because why we do have questions of how will this affect these ladies and what does the layoff mean? I feel very comfortable in telling you, based on the evidence that I just laid out, I feel very comfortable in telling you. And I have not laid eyes on Whaley. I don't know her. I haven't called her, spoke to her, and that also extends to her team. I have not called, so I have no inside information. None. And I'm still confident in telling you she's going to be ready to fight. Let's move away from UFC 261 really quickly and answer a question that's circulating in the boxing world this week. How big of a deal is it that Oscar De La Hoya was intoxicated on a live broadcast while seeking a privileged license to return to the ring himself? I will tell you right out of the gate, you're likely making something out of nothing. Is there a relevance to where that can be problematic for Oscar? Yes, absolutely. Now, you have 50 different states in this country. There's a number of states that are going to license anybody for anything if they can even smell money. That's okay. But now you're limited to having to go to those places. It would essentially take your ability to go to a reputable state out. For example, for Oscar to do what he did and then get licensed in California, which is a very reputable state, is going to be less likely. And let me tell you why. Because a lot of people are going to, chill, how would that be California's business? How would Oscar, being drunk and or whatever it is you want to guess he was on, in his free time, have anything to do with a state's jurisdiction for a fight and a license in the future? Well, I'll answer the question. And don't forget, I started this by saying there's not a whole lot here, but it's not there's nothing here. The state of California, I'll just give you an example that you would know because it was Chuck Liddell. But when Chuck Liddell came out to fight Tito Ortiz before he could get a privileged license, the commission said, we're going to come and watch you train. We are going to send representatives to your gym, and we're going to watch and monitor you. We're going to see how fast you are, how your reactions are, what your level of conditioning is, by example. Whatever it is they were fully checking for, but they did that. Chuck was training with Coach McKee at the time. They sent them to Coach McKee's gym, and they observed a full workout, and then said, yeah, you know what? This guy looks like he's ready, and they put him in there. So I only offer you that because that would be free time. Imagine if they came to inspect Chuck on the day that they set aside to inspect Chuck and he did what Oscar did and he showed up drunk. So now all of a sudden Oscar, who is two years older than Chuck was, who has been removed from the ring several years longer than Chuck was, oh and by the way, 
is not sober at the time that you come to check on them. I mean, do you see the problem? Like there are things that happen in a reputable jurisdiction that many of you wouldn't know. And it's on the books today. I've never heard of anybody that's actually been called upon this, but it is on the books right now. I'll use myself as an example, but when I served a suspension for banned substances, not only could I not spar, if anybody came and sparred with me, they could have their license taken away. Now imagine how unfair that would have been. I show up to the gym, only I know if I'm still suspended, how long my suspension is. Only I would know the rules to that because I've now been immersed and some young guy, they pop in and they take his license away. But that's still on the books to this day. Right now that still sits there, whether they ever call it on, on it or not. I think it's for very good reason that they use discretion and don't call people on it. I'm only sharing with you. You guys might remember Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg was on a suspension in California, showed up to a strike force event, and was in the front row to take in the event. Well, the people that gave her the seats and ushered her, that nobody knew this was a rule, but the state of California did, which is if you were suspended, you may not come to an event. They brought security over and they removed her from the building. I bring these as examples just to remind you and to inform you there's a lot of rules that you don't know about and a license is not a license like you may be able to relate to. You all probably have a license in some degree. It might be because you're a master of your trade. It might be to operate a motor vehicle. A privilege license is what we're discussing here and a privilege license is something very different. So Oscar De La Hoya being 48 years old saying that he's coming back in only a matter of months and then showing up, I mean, he almost could not communicate. The words were coming out of his mouth, but not in a, a free-thinking format. He just used the word baby over and over and over. He kept on saying baby. I only share that with you because if a commission is going to look at, and they're reputable. Now, he could, he could cruise right in. I mean, he could go to Nevada. and there, There's a lot of places where this isn't going to be a dialogue, but there's a lot of places where it are. It's a lot of places where it is. We're going to say, hey, wait just a second. We haven't seen you. And we're going to show you the same respect as we showed other guys, which is we are going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We're going to assume that you are an expert on this. We're going to come out. We're going to watch you train. We're going to see you get a couple of miles in, get some rope in, see how your handwork is. We're going to assess it. And more likely than not, we're then going to sign off and rubber stamp this thing because ultimately we take guys at their word. And if a guy says that he's ready and if a guy says that he can do it, we trust him. But just imagine now that you have the information that I just brought to you. Many of you may not have known that about Chuck, or maybe you didn't know the cyborg story, or maybe you didn't know what I had to deal with when I went through a suspension and the jeopardy and subjectiveness that I could have put a training partner through who was just trying to get through his workout. But now that I've armed you with that, imagine if the day the commission elects to show up to take in a workout by the golden boy and he shows up stoned like he did on Saturday night. I'm, I'm offering for you because I think this is a real thing and I think this was a real blunder and I think this was a real mistake. It was a real media opportunity with what now we're told is as many as 1.5 million. And by the way, that's buys. Think of yourself. When you watch a fight, do you watch it alone? Just think of yourself. No, of course you don't watch it alone. How, how many people do you watch it with? Is it the neighborhood? Is it a full party? But I mean, think of that. Whatever that number is just for you personally, then times that by 1.5 million. Okay, there was a lot of eyeballs. And now there's a lot of eyeballs that know a 48-year-old Oscar de la Hoya is not sober, but that some commission's going to license him.
it just becomes problematic and it becomes a problem in an area that never needed to be. Nobody needed Oscar at the desk that night. Snoop Dogg did just fine, and he had some fat comedian with him, and, and that guy was terrible, but that's as good as you're going to get at boxing. I mean, in all fairness, the fat comedian and Snoop Dogg, they didn't need anybody else. So they then decide in the show sheet and the rundown that they're going to bring in the Golden Boy to announce his fight. He had no announcement. He had no opponent. He had no weight class. He had no date. Of the story of the five W's, of who, what, when, why, and where, Oscar succeeded at none of them, and somebody with Triller who witnessed him in the back still said this is a good idea to send him on the other side of the curtain. Right? you got to wonder who's watching the shop. When the inmates are running the asylum, Who? where was the adult in the room? And I realized there was no adult that we saw on television. I'm well aware of that, but somebody behind the curtain who is the one that gets the check for the 1.5 million buys, right? Askren's going to get a fraction, and Paul was probably a little smarter at doing it. I'm only sharing with you. Somebody somewhere is getting that in a decision-making capacity, and this person is so absent that they sent a stoned golden boy in front of the world not to make an announcement. No who, what, when, why, or where was stated. The only thing you know is that Oscar because of substance abuse, cannot form a coherent sentence and is stuck on replay of the word baby. We're going to go buy that fight? We're going to support that fight? Yeah, we are. But we're not with the government. Somebody with a government is going to have to sanction that fight. And that person is going to be questioned. Okay, everyone, it's time for the moment you truly have all been waiting for. Let's not waste any time. My official prediction for Usman versus Mazlaval, it's going to be and still. Look, I already know what happens when Usman fights Mazlaval because I watched it happen. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I only bring that to you because it's the same guys in the same weight class contesting the same rules for the same championship. It's one of those things. Now, even though in sport you can have something different, and I will acknowledge that was a very competitive fight, and not to mention the storyline of Masvidal not getting a full training camp is very real. But I do have to wonder how unprepared was he, right? I mean, the mere fact that Masvidal, on, was it six days notice, seven days notice, was able to get to another continent, get licensed, do all of his media, stay within a bubble, and make weight. That's very relevant. The fact that he could do all of those, 24 hours worth of travel alone. So what are we talking about? Was it six days? Let's just call it six. That means the weigh-ins are in five. But you got one day is just to travel. I mean, look at how many days you got. And he, with the absence of a proper training facility, was still able to make weight. Look, I think he was in shape. I think he was training more than the story has said. And I think that he left with a whole bunch of credit when the reality was Usman did the same thing. And while Usman had the benefit of knowing he had a fight at that date, of knowing where he needed to be, of knowing where his weight had to be, he did not have the benefit of knowing who his opponent was. And it was a very different stylistic matchup. I only offer you that because in many ways, Usman did the same thing that Masvidal did. Now, look, I like the storyline. I will just tell you as an athlete, I've had and I've observed... The opposite effect. 
I can remember through the college wrestling season, I get to the NCAA tournament, and I would do my best to not feel the pressure and let everybody else choke on it. I would do my best to do that. But the reality was you just weren't wrestling as good at the end of the season as you were at the beginning. It's long. You're tired. It's a lot of hotels. It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of practices. It's a lot of early mornings. It's a lot of weigh-ins. It's a lot of everything. And you get tired. And this isn't just that I'm personalizing. I could look around. The guys that win the NCAA tournament are the right guy. But two through eight could be anybody because everybody's so tired. We had a guy within this country named Brandon Egum. Brandon Egum was an alternate for the world championships behind Cale Sanderson, name you guys have probably heard. Cale decided to not go at the last minute. Egum gets pulled off the bench, flies out there, but he has a completely clear head. He didn't study the field. He didn't do the acclimation in the training camps. He didn't know he was going to go. They pull him off the bench. He gets second in the world. Just a couple of seasons ago, this happened with Joe Cologne for you American wrestling fans, but Joe Cologne was an alternate. Top guy pulls out, Cologne gets sent without having the pressures, without studying, without going through the training camps, shows up, he ends up bringing home a medal. And I could give you countless stories like that where a guy who comes in with a clear head has a significant advantage significant. Now, if the work's not there, the whole story I just told doesn't take place. The work has to be there. But when I'm looking at Masvidal, who was able to make weight without the benefit of even a training facility because he was stuck in a hotel room, and I did media with Masvidal. I don't know if Masvidal has ever been more accessible than he was for media for his last fight. He got a hold of me, and I'm writing him back, man, what time is it there? And it was like 3 in the morning, and he wanted to do media now. And I can't remember what time that was here in Portland, but I called the crew. We went in, flipped the lights on, fired up the studio. Hey, Joe, what do you want to talk about? And he came and did the interview in a bathrobe. He'd just gotten out of the sauna. He was exhausted, and he was tired, but he was getting absolutely everything in. So when I bring to you that I know he didn't have all of the benefits of weight cutting, and he still made it, I just have my own opinion that he wasn't as out of round as he's been saying. And I can also share for you, I've gone through countless training camps where my first week and my first three weeks, I was much better than I was 10 and 11 and 12 weeks. I just was, it was too much. It was too much of a grind. It was too many guys, too many days, too much advice, getting pulled in all sorts of different directions. And you just wear down. It's extremely important to be able to peak. One thing that Mike Dolce has, and as soon as he taught me this, I did it for every single fight, but it was three days, 72 hours, three days of absolute rest, air-conditioned room where you're not breaking a sweat, don't leave that couch, nothing goes in your hand but a remote control, three days of absolute rest as a way to recover. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hey, anybody can grab three days. Well, I understand that, but not if they don't know that recipe. And I can tell you it's a very big difference, but that's just from a physical standpoint. It's the mental wear. I share this with you because I like the story. I like the Masvidal will be ready. I like that Masvidal has the balls to say, if you allow me to do this, I'll never make another excuse. Just give me this one chance. I love that hunger. I love the fact that the biggest star in the sport basically got down and begged for this opportunity. I respect that. I respect that hunger. Don't be stunned. If the Chael curse, 
that has been very real throughout 2021 with absolutely no avail. Don't be surprised if that doesn't get broken here, though. Because there is more to these stories and those training camps and all of these things at these big luxury gyms. He was able to make weight. He was in pretty good shape. He pushed for five rounds, threw a lot of kicks, didn't have a pressure on himself. He didn't have a pressure because very little was expected of him. It was little was expected of him because he didn't have the training camp. Now a lot's expected to him. Now he's fighting at home. Make sure you take that into account. You want to talk about pressure, guys. And all, the only reason pressure matters, pressure creates a stress and stress creates a fatigue. That's it. You'll hear sports guys all the time talk about who's got the pressure. Who gives a goddamn? Well, I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who. I'll tell you why it does matter. When you get into something like this that is so cardiovascular-based, championship rounds, who can be there at the end of the night? Who can go harder than his opponent? When you get into something like that, pressure matters because it creates a stress, which is a chemical release in your brain that can produce lactic acids, which can fatigue you. And you now have a guy who's fighting at home and has removed all excuses. Full respect. Full respect. But you still have to wonder what is the consequence of that going to be. Everything in life and every choice, it's a trade. It's an absolute trade. There's no such thing as home court advantage in fighting. It is a home court disadvantage. You've told all your buddies your whole life what a tough guy you are, and now you're going to have to walk out with your shirt off and prove it. It's one of those things. It's one of those things. And there was a gap between these two the first time. It was a competitive fight. I saw it. You guys saw it. Two of the judges had all five rounds for Usman. One of the judges had it four to one. That one judge was wrong. It was a clean sweep for Usman. But it was competitive. There was a gap. And there was a gap that I do not believe a training camp can make up. And even if the training camp helped, don't forget Masvidal has sat out. He's done media tours. He's lived the good life. He's enjoyed stardom. I hope, I would expect, Usman, meanwhile, made that walk nine weeks ago. We don't get better at something as human beings by not doing it. And all the wind appears to be blowing in Usman's favor. And Usman is one of these guys that you're better off to not make angry. Contrary to what a lot of guys will try to do in fighting where they try to get under somebody's spin or they, uh, skin or they try to evoke an emotion as a way of fatiguing them, as a way of distracting them, every now and then you meet that rare animal who's a lot more dangerous when he's wounded. And Usman's angry. And Usman has a chip. And Usman has trained differently. He didn't do any of those things before. So even though Masvidal was absent at training camp, Usman is plus a very different training camp. Great fight. Excited to see it. I believe the Chael curse comes to an end. I am taking Usman. All right, guys. That's it for today's show. Thank you for listening. While you're watching the fights this weekend, please open up Apple Podcasts. Search your welcome. Click on it. Scroll to the bottom, and please leave us a review. It really helps. Enjoy UFC 261, and then I'll be back on Wednesday. Till then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.